Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Lara Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. episode of the Fishers of Men podcast. Today we are super excited to have with us Sonia Corbett, author, speaker, Bible study evangelista. <laughs> what else do you do? <laughs> what did I leave Well, out? everything that's helpful with the Bible, I, I try. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's a, a really awesome way to describe yourself. We are super excited to talk to you today because you have a whole series on father wounds. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely something that I have experience personally and seen a lot of people that struggle with it and so I just can't wait to talk to you yeah about it. it seems to be just a plague of our peers anyway they have some I sort of you're right wound and I think it's important to talk about because that is how you see your relationship with God the Father mm-hmm. it's filtered through your relationship with your own. Exactly. So. Well, and actually the catechism, I love this about the catechism. It points out that mother wounds and father wounds both have that that influence on our relationship with God. Yeah. And so whether you have a father wound or a mother wound, I call it healing the father wound because ultimately either either of those and and really any wound can affect our relationship with God simply because you know, ultimately we understand that all of that stuff is filtered through him. And so we just go, why the heck did you let that happen? Mm -hmm. You know, so. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So um, could you tell us a little bit about your story and your background? Sure. So I grew up a Southern Baptist and I am a convert now to the Catholic church of about 11 years. And God began as, as a non-Catholic the only way we had to get in touch with God on a regular basis was through the scriptures. We didn't have sacraments. I didn't even know that word. And so I listened to people who were much more holy than I, who said, if you want to get in touch with God, if you want to experience God, you need to be in the scriptures on a daily basis. And so I embarked on a very arduous experiment (laughs) with that. (laughs) And so every morning I would try to get up really early and I slept through most of it. Until one day he met me there, and that was really the beginning for me. Mm-hmm. And right away, right away, he really began to work with me on this father wound that I have. Mm-hmm. And he began with my issues with authority because, as a young 20 something, I really had, I, I didn't know I did, but I had an issue with authority, period. Didn't matter who it was. If it was a male in authority over me, especially one that I loved or respected, you could just about count on the fact that I was going to be a raging lunatic. (laughs) So he, uh, he just really started to confront me very early with that. And, and oddly enough, that was, that wound is how he brought me into the church because it was a, that authority issue. Mm. Wow. And what scriptures in particular was it that was opening that up for you? Well, there were several. Right off the bat, he used Proverbs twenty six eleven, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats its fo- his folly, hmm. or her folly, in in my case. And I remember reading that and going, "Yep, that's me, <laughs> back at that vomit," you know. <laughs> 
so that was the earliest. And then right on the heels of that was um, all of this work on authority. So First uh, Samuel, where I desire obedience and not sacrifice, because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which just blew me away. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, how, how can this problem be as bad or worse than the idolatry of witchcraft and, and that kind of thing? And then also uh, Romans 13, 1, where all authority is given by God. And if you resist the authority that God has put in place, then you're actually resisting God himself. And so wow. in all of those ways, he just sort of confronted me on a daily basis about my issue. So what have you seen either in your life or in your ministry of the various ways this, you know, there's obviously the authority issue, but there, I feel like there's so many other ways that father wounds manifest in our life and sure. kind of shape our behavior and, and our choices. So what have you seen? Well, really, you know, the rebellion thing came as a secondary sort of thing. What God really started to work with me on was my rage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had, this, I mean, I still have holes in my house where I have punched holes, put holes in the, the drywall. And of course, now they're covered with a lovely little mirror. <laughs> but <laughs> I have, that was really the issue that he started working we, with me on because I started to parent the way my dad parented me. And I noticed even in my marriage that if, if I continued on the trajectory that I was on, I probably would not be married very long. And so it was the rage thing that really started. And I think we share that. And I think that's why St. Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. And Mm -hmm. that's what he means, you know, because that sort of oppressive manipulation and control and, and all of that, it does at some point, any normal human being will get fed up and rebel against it because they don't want to be controlled. And, And it's, it's not even, it's, it's abnormal. That's not the way it ought to work. And we know that inherently, even as children, and that's why we, we misbehave or we have behavior issues as children. And then we don't know how to cope as adults. So anger, it can be anger. It can be toxic relationships. I've seen that a lot. I actually perpetuated that in my own life. Self-medicating habits that mm-hmm. often turn into addictions. Yep. I struggle with that. And I have seen that widespread not knowing what to do with our desires and and how to discern if they're holy or not that was a, a huge difficulty repeating circumstances i see all of that and and i have struggled with all of those myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely for sure <laughs> i have definitely seen all of those and also experienced uh all of those <laughs> we are also uh we're looking at uh so you right now have a series called father wounds or healing sorry healing the father wound Uh um so um i just love the description that you have here about all of the issues also forgiveness and abandonment and then perfectionism versus grace and then Mm -hmm. fear versus love those for Mm -hmm. me have been like really huge especially Mm -hmm. recently that i've been learning a lot about how perfectionism is kind of yep. manifesting in every area of my life and kind of like really choking out the Holy Spirit in a lot of yeah. ways. And so I just love what you say that as we reach beyond our deficits to God, we learn from Jesus how to climb into the bosom of a loving heavenly, heavenly father. 
And I just think that's so awesome and so necessary. (laughs) You know, it is, but it's so foreign. You know, when you don't have a good example, you don't have. I remember my aunt telling me that when she prayed, she envisioned climbing up in in God's lap. And I thought she was weird. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like, there is no way. I don't see God that way. I will never be able to see God that way. And of wow. course, you know, in John one, we see that Jesus comes from the bosom of the father. So, you know, when I read that, I was like, hmm, all right, well, something's wrong with me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so how would you, would you say that you started to parent your children the way that you were parented? What does that look like? Well, for me, it looked like that perfectionism. I, I wanted, I demanded, I expected and I needed them to be even as babies, which is so irrational. And I even knew it. I could see myself doing it and going, this is so irrational. This is there. There's no way that a child this young can live up to an expectation this way. But I, I just expected them to be good all the time. You know, they, they didn't really have permission to be children, even very, very young. And luckily God scared me with that early enough that I was terrified. And I just said, I don't care what you have to do to me, Lord, I will do anything. I will let you do anything to me. I will listen to you. I will follow you, whatever you say, just don't let me do this to my children. And he took me at my word. Wow. (laughs) I think each of us have a fear that we're going to be parents like our parents. Yeah. Just repeat the mistakes. Yeah. Because no parent is perfect, but I think it's great to recognize those things that our parents have had flaws and could have been helped in and to adapt those to our own lives and the way we parent and to be open and humble to other people that can help in the in the way of looking in. Because it's easy for yes. us to see, oh, I'm going to be driven by perfectionism. But if somebody lovingly can tell you like, you know, children cannot be perfect and they're never <laughs> going to be perfect. Like, and neither can we. And exactly. So I think it's necessary for us to have these conversations like anything on our podcast, because we want to make sure people know you're not alone in this. So mm-hmm. this is so great. Well, and that perfectionism thing for me was it went hand in hand with trying to earn God's love. Yeah. I just wanted him to love me. And so I was yep. trying so hard to be good enough that he would love me. Yeah. And so I tried very hard to be perfect. I didn't want to be criticized cause I couldn't handle it. And I, I wanted him to love me. And so, and of course he does, but I, that, there was something wrong inside of me that could not accept it, could not believe it. I just didn't believe it. So, you know, all of that is necessary work. That's the work of sanctification. That's the work of, Amen. you know, as Catholics, we call purgatory and it's hard work. Mm-hmm. That self-knowledge is very di- difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially if you your instant response to any criticism is yeah, like someone's poking you with something yeah. sharp, you know, like this. <laughs> yeah. It took you me know, a, a long time. That cactus, yeah. <laughs> right. It, it took me a long time to be able to take criticism and not feel like I was being personally threatened. You know? Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to mention that one of the things that we're doing in this Healing the Father Wound series, we're, we're going... We started off looking at God as Father and what the Bible says about that. But then we have moved into the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary because Jesus shows us how, through that process, how to relate to God normally. That's really why he came. He, he came to show us Abba Father. But 
in the crown of thorns, in the crowning of thorns, we'll be talking about parenting and how, because children are that crown, you know, and so we'll sort of, I'll be relating it that way in my next show, but there are ways, according to our psychiatrists and our psychologists, there are ways to help us prevent doing that to our own children. So we'll be talking about it because I, I, more than anything else in my whole life, I just didn't want to perpetuate that pattern with my own kids. And my husband was, I mean, we were, we were with one heart in that. And so we were determined, both of us, that it stops with us. I don't care what we have to do. We're not doing this to them. We don't want to divorce. We don't want to, I mean, I went through that as well. You know, you just, you don't want to do it to your kids. And I think that's, I think that is almost a heroic love. And I I think that God is so pleased with that, you know, that, that we have such love for our children that we're willing to do anything. And I I think he capitalizes on it, thankfully, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I really love about this is, you know, what I'm hearing from you is also the message that you're not damaged. Like you're not permanently damaged. if You grow up with a less than ideal situation. I, I've heard that message from some people in our church uh, that give advice or something, you know, they're like, oh, definitely look for someone that doesn't have divorced parents as a spouse. And I totally understand where they're coming from. But the message that I would get is that, oh, well, I'm just, mm. that's it for me. <laughs> you know, right. and it wasn't even my fault, you know. Well, but- I think the statistics bear that out simply because most people aren't aware of the danger of it. But mm-hmm. if you are, then you can take the steps to make sure it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's the difference. Right. Yeah. Right. Because obviously, yeah, uh, there's, there's so many patterns, so many things that are hard in relationships if you don't have a good model, obviously, but healing is there if you want it. <laughs> that's right. And if you're willing, that's the thing, you know, everybody wants it, mm-hmm. but not enough to do what it takes to get it, right. you know, and, and God, he, He loves the way that he has made things and he loves the processes of how things come to be and how they grow. So he does things slowly because that's how they all work, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we get impatient with that and we want things to either happen more quickly or we want to take the easy way out. And and it just doesn't work that way. Usually there are times when he will, you know, poof us and we're healed, but not very often. (laughs) And I think, we, you know, if you're not willing to do the work, you won't get that healing. Oh, yeah. I I went on a retreat last February. I don't think I've talked about this on the show, but I was really, really angry with God. And this was like a weekend retreat. And I just, I was so angry with God at just, I feel like he's made me promises and hasn't come through. And there are these things that I want, like I feel called a yes. marriage and I'm not, you know, getting it. And, you know, it's like, what's the deal? I spent a whole sleepless night, like just in prayer, just being angry at God. And finally, I felt God say to me really clearly, you ask me for things, but you get angry with me when I prepare you to receive them. Wow. Ooh, yeah. Wow. I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> right? but, but you know what's so good about God? I love this about him. He will not break the bruised reed of you. Mm. You know, he, he will tell you that absolute truth, but he'll do it in a way that you're not devastated by it. You're mm-hmm. like, you know what, Lord, you are so right. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, now what do we do? Yeah, exactly like that. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't really be mad at you anymore. <laughs> well, I have said really ugly, awful, terrible things to God. I mean, and I think he 
he not only expects that from us, but he needs that from us. If we can't be honest with him, we can't be honest with anybody. So he doesn't get mad at us. He doesn't, he's not upset at us. I mean, I have also learned not to do that because I, what I know now is that if I do that, I'm going to be ashamed later when I see what he's done. So I don't do it now, but boy, I have really, I have said some ugly things and, and he uses that honesty as a starting place. So I don't think that's necessarily bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. In fact, I I would say, I don't think it is at all. Mm -hmm. If that's how you feel. Right. I mean, because it's like, instead of just stuffing down your feelings and, and just thinking like, oh, well, you know, I just need to be good. Like you said, you know, like I can't feel these feelings or I'm not going to be good and God's not going to love me and I'm not going to like earn my salvation, which is Mm -hmm. not true. (laughs) Right. Um, then yeah, it's, it's a total trap that you fall into. Well, and I've noticed too, and this is part of what I feel like my job is as the facilitator of this series, this Healing the Father Wound series, is to just point out the patterns. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you can notice, if you can see your patterns and notice how you behave in certain circumstances, you can identify your predominant fault, uh, which the saints say is absolutely necessary to, to know because Satan knows it and he uses us, mm-hmm. it against us. And God is using He's using all of the people and the circumstances around us to try to help us identify the patterns so that we will change them. That is so but we true. don't realize that's him. Right. You know, yeah. we, we think it just sucks. This right. is awful. How can this be happening again? And it does. I mean, it does suck, but it's him helping us. He's trying to get our attention so that we will notice that we keep doing this. We keep returning to that vomit. You know, and he's pointing it out so that we get fed up with it enough that we just go, okay, I give (laughs) whatever you say, we do now. (laughs) That is so true. Like when you start to to see like the same kind of person coming into your life and the same situation over and over again, like I went through a period for a long time. I was just like, what is happening? Why is this happening to me? (laughs) You know, and then I realized like, oh no, this is actually like showing me exactly what I need to work on. Yes. It's a gift. (laughs) Yeah. It sucks sometimes. It sucks. And then yeah. it stopped happening. Like yeah. once I actually started to do the work. Yeah, and that's exactly work, right. You're like, I stopped, you know, getting those like emotionally unavailable men <laughs> in my life, you know. Or... Absolutely. That's exactly what should happen. And that's mm-hmm. the hope of it. That's what I call the promised land. Because mm-hmm. if it, at some point you stop doing it and then you go and, and like you said, you start seeing it and you're like, oh, and then you've learned it. And then God doesn't have to offer you that lesson anymore because right. you got it right. so then you move to something else I got I got really frustrated though because it seemed you know once I got I, I got over the negativity from certain kinds of people then he started sending me positivity through a certain kind of people and I didn't know what to do with that at all mm-hmm. you know I'm like okay <laughs> but it would trigger me in the same way and then I'm like, okay, what, what, what is going on here? You know? And so then you move to something else. It seems like you're going around the same mountain over and over and over again. But each time he goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the subconscious and he's doing a deeper healing and he's doing, he's doing all kinds of stuff that's different. It's not the same path over and over. It feels the same, but he's going deeper with it. So we don't, we can't get frustrated with the pattern of it because Mm -hmm. it does, it is a total spiritual upheaval that is a healing as well. And so at some point we do stop, it changes a little, but the gift is, and the promised land is we do get there. We totally do. Mm. That's so good to hear. 
But you're right. I mean, it's like as soon as I feel like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm done with my issues. Like, let's, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm healed. <laughs> then God sends me a new situation and I just fall back into the same, you know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and coping mechanisms. Uh, and then I'm yep. like, oh, I guess guess I'm not done. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is there are times even that I have said, okay, I got that. Now what? Mm. You know, like I'm looking for something to do. Yeah. It's exciting though. I think sure. once you realize yeah. that the difficulty of it and the suffering of it is really um, growth, once you see that you're okay with it, you're yeah. like, all right, well, this is crappy and it hurts, but this is a good end. So I'm willing to do it. Right. You know, it changes everything. Right. That's very true. It's a totally different outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that helps a lot with the rage at God, the anger, you know, Definitely. It, it see, rather than seeing him as this like authoritarian, like you're just wanting to make me suffer just for the Punishment. sake of it. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're actually loving me through this and you know, you're sending me this so that I can heal. And, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm just curious, since you are a convert to Catholicism, have you seen differences in this in Catholic and Protestant circles? Not in the wounds, but Mm. one of the great gifts of the church, I I think I had gotten as far as I could really go on my own in the scriptures in this area. And so once I came into the church, what helped me at that point was the church's teaching on the theology of the church's theology of suffering. That really helped sort of get over the hump a little because the mystics especially talk about that suffering in terms of purgatory. And so you realize that it is healing and that you are doing the work of sanctification and it does sort of change your perspective. But as far as the wounds go, no, I I think we totally, we share all of that. In non-Catholicism, you don't really have the terminology to hang the emotion on and that can be difficult. It's there, you know, it's just maybe not as visible as maybe in the Catholic church, but especially because of the mystics and prayer. The other thing that I really loved about coming into the church is that it is considered prayer to go through this process. So in fact, in fact, the catechism talks about prayer in those terms when it when it goes through Abraham and Joseph and David and it talks about how they pray. What you see is the formation that God is putting them through and how difficult it is. So the catechism and the church sees that process as prayer. And I love that because suddenly it gives it even more value so as far as the wounds go, no, those are definitely the same, but I got a lot of help in the, in Catholic teaching that I think I was missing in maybe my denomination. I, I don't know that I would maybe pigeonhole it as just Protestantism totally, but right. definitely, definitely the theology of suffering and, and all of that helped me a great deal. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, my experience would be that the wounds are the same, mm-hmm. probably. I think, I, I don't know. I've heard people even say, I've never heard you, I've never heard the term father wound. And huh. I think, yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't even know, honestly, where that came from. Maybe I saw it somewhere and kind of borrowed it. I don't know, <laughs> but, but I don't think that I had ever heard it either as a non-Catholic. So 
ask you then, how can we, you know, we know, like, it's one of the Ten Commandments to honor our father and our mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's there, you know, yeah. <laughs> in our tradition. How do we do that? How can we balance that out with our own, with be also being honest about who they are mm-hmm. and what they've done and, and, you know, what our hurts are. Sure. And so they still love them through that. Yeah. And how do we do that by even protecting ourselves? In- that is yeah. a, I think that is one of the most excellent questions when we talk about this whole subject because, and, and I really struggled with that a lot. Yeah. My, my dad is not safe for me emotionally. I mean, he, he really isn't. I, I see, and I know, and, and even for me, maybe not, but seeing how he interacts with my children, that puts me over the edge. I just, I mean, I I can, I can prevent him from doing it from, to me because I see it and I know it and I understand that about him and I accept him faults and all. I don't try to change him. That's the first thing I think when we talk about honoring our parents. Yes, you have to understand. And God really guided me through that in two ways. One, he kept asking me to forgive him And he kept asking me to ask my dad to forgive me for a confrontation that we had. That was, well, it wasn't even really a confrontation. I had the confrontation because that's the way we, he always approached me was with this control. You're going to do it my way. And I was old enough that I didn't have to do it his way anymore. And I knew it. And so it got loud. I actually talk about that in my book, Unleashed a lot, how this whole process. But um, that's the first thing I have to forgive him. I have to ask for forgiveness in those areas that, that I have transgressed him. Right. And that was so difficult because yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm justified in this. Yeah. That's right. The one thing that I've done and you're going to ask me to go ask him for forgiveness, you know, so that was very difficult. But the, and you did? You asked him in person? I did. Oh. Yeah. That story isn't unleashed. It was, oh my gosh, brutal. But God kept, he kept prompting me to do it. And I finally just said, well, I don't want to do it. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't want to do it. I don't think I'm going to do it, you know, but he repeatedly kept asking me about it. And I finally just said, all right, well, if you can make me want to, <laughs> <I might. laughs> he, he eventually did because I, I just wanted to please him so much. I was willing to do it. And that whole story is in that book. But, but another thing is you do have to get to the point where, And God does this. We don't do it for ourselves. There's no way we can do this stuff for ourselves. We have to allow him to do it. But he asked me to make a list of all my dad's good points. And I just remember thinking I was blown away with how many I could list, you know, because I I talked so much and I thought of him so much as the wounder. I couldn't see the good parts of him until I did that. And then I thought, oh, okay. And it helped me to see him as a real person yeah, and not just this, I, I don't know. Villain. Yeah. Well, not just a villain, but this bigger than life, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. suddenly I realized oh, he's like just a guy. Archetype. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and an, an archetypical villain, even, mm-hmm. I guess the two of those really go together well. Yeah. But when he asked me to do that, I was able to see him then as a human being. And that helped me accept him faults and all. That was one of the things that Mary guided me through a lot is you don't have to excuse their behavior and you're not overlooking it at all either. But what you're doing is understanding they are faulty just as we are. Mm-hmm. And as a receiver, as a woman, 
the feminine part of us naturally wants to receive them anyway. When they're unsafe, we have to put boundaries in place so that, you know, we're not taking in all their their hurt and pain too. But we do have to accept them faults and all. And we're called to do that with everybody, not just the people that wound us, but everyone. So at that point, I could I could see him clearly and I knew that he was wounded. And, and that was the third thing. So forgive him. Ask him to forgive me for my fault in, you know, our relationship, which I'll go through that whole thing in the book. But but then the third thing was receive him and accept him faults and all without allowing him in to hurt me or my family because he tries that he and he if you give him an inch he'll take a mile Mm -hmm. and so I've had to learn he's just not going to be good for us and so what I've done is I've spent a long time in the card aisle on Father's Day trying to find a way to honor him and I have to be careful how I speak about him because I don't want to be ugly but at the same time my truth is my truth and I'm going to tell it but there are ways to honor him. There are ways. And, and one of those ways is to pray for him. And so I, I try to keep a, a almost daily, I pray a chaplet of divine mercy for him because that's, that's one way I can stay connected to him without him even knowing it. Right. You know, and, and that's the, that's all I can do right now yeah. and maybe ever. Yeah. That's actually one thing that I've heard from psychologists that uh, if you're struggling with forgiveness for someone, you can, even do that whole part of forgiving and asking for forgiveness, just imagining them. If they're really like such an unsafe person that you can't really contact right. them. But even just that can be really healing. It know? totally is. It really is. It changes everything. And, and you have to do it over and over, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as I let him yeah. in a little bit and he would do something else, I was right back where I was, you know, and I'm, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to go through this whole thing again. And and that's just how it works. You know, you don't forgive one time usually and, and it sticks. You really have to go back through it over and over. Right. 70 times 7. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely for sure. Can you give us oh, any more tips on the actual process of forgiveness? Hmm. Well, I don't know about that so much. I, I know <laughs> that for me, well, what I, what I would do is imagine laying it at Jesus's feet, whatever it was, you know, the, as God begins to do that work of healing in you, you have these circumstances that provoke the wound. And that provocation is the invitation from God to explore why you feel that way and where it came from to begin with. And once you go there, then you end up in the pain of a circumstance or a memory attached to that particular person. And so you have to go with God through that. And once you remember that and you see how crappy it was and how backward this person is in his relationship to you or her relationship to you, that's when you have to lay it at Jesus's feet and just say, you know what? I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to make them say they're sorry. I'm not going to try to force them to own it. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm laying it at your feet. I forgive it. And you, you may have to do that more than once, but just the imagining of it, like you said, it really is very healing. And some people are not safe enough to even approach with, with a truth like that. You wounded me in this area. My dad turns everything back on, on me, Mm -hmm. you know, well, Mm -hmm. and, and that's what happened when I asked him to forgive me for that particular, um, incident that we had, I got loud and I shot him a bird and I left 
you know, and God wanted me to call him and ask him to forgive me for that, you know. So I did, and then he turned it all back on me. I can't believe that one of my daughters would do that to me. I can't, you know, just blah, 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 blah. And it was just very ugly. So, but that was okay. It was really okay. And I left it with the Lord and, and he'll handle it. I don't, that revenge seeking is where you know you've gone you've taken a detour to Mordor, I say, you know, <laughs> That's you're trying to seek revenge or you want them to own their part in it or whatever, you know, you just have to leave all that to God. Right. Yeah. yeah. Another <clears throat> thing that I have kind of in conjunction with the imagining uh, an exercise that I've read about is imagining them as a little child and, yes. you know, imagining them with all of pro the wounds that they were paired yes. in with, you know, because usually that helped me a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's helped me a lot of, you know, imagining like, well, all of my experience is rooted in their experience. Exactly. And you know, all, all of it is really coming from not having received love from yep. where they were supposed to get it. It's a good point. Yeah. And, and seeing, I mean, I knew, a little bit about my dad's background and I know just from what I know, it's no wonder. Right. I mean, it is no wonder he is how he is. And that definitely helped me to just sort of leave that to the Lord and say, I I can, there's no way I could possibly understand the dynamic going on in him. I know what I have to do for me and my family and my children, but I'm leaving him completely to you because I can't, I can't. Another thing we try to fall into is sometimes we want to heal them. Right, you know, we want to right. help them and, and that can be unsafe and it's, it can be insulting and it works. It, it, it works backward in a, in a way that is not healthy for either of us. So you just really have to leave that to God. Only he can get that deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's not our, it's not our, burden to change people or to save them they have to we have to love them and then god yeah. will do the rest and to trust that god is working and to add our prayers to that mm -hmm. that's that's the other thing our prayers are so effective on behalf of another person when we've suffered at their hands mm -hmm. that sacrificial suffering is really powerful so we can offer it to to our lady and to god to use it in that way and it can be redemptive you I mean we want to use every bit of that pain for their good if we can you know yeah. and I would obviously yeah yeah we don't want it to go to waste I don't want one drop of mine to go to waste because I got a lot of it right <laughs> that is so true yeah well um those are pretty much all the questions we had uh do you have anything else you'd just like to tell our listeners um, I think what I would say is it is a long, hard road. And anytime we see uh, God doing that kind of formation with people in the Bible, it takes at least a decade. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes like with, with Abraham, 25 years. So we can't get in a hurry and don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't get in that pity party. Just keep moving. And even if you have to crawl, that's still movement forward. So just keep plugging at it. Just don't quit. That's really the only way you can screw it up is to just quit. And and I'll even say, you know, there I, I've quit a hundred times. <laughs> but, you know, you just get back up and you keep crawling. Mm -hmm. 
there is a promised land and it is a promise to us. Every single one of us who is in Christ is assured and promised that healing. So we just have to follow him every step and he will do it. And do you have some favorite scriptures? If we have listeners that are struggling with feeling the love of God, uh, do you have any go-to scriptures for that? Um, I especially like the one, I think it's in Corinthians where Paul says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, and there's also, yes, I'm glad you said that because in my second book, fearless, I talk about uh, worthlessness, Mm -hmm. worthlessness a lot because I, that was really the root for me of all of my outward behavior. My bad behavior was that worthlessness. Mm -hmm. And I discovered the most incredible thing in the Bible they're Satan's proper name. One of his proper names is Belial and it means worthlessness. So when we feel that we are being accused by the accuser of something that is not true. And I actually go through that in the book fearless a lot because Thomas Aquinas talks about the isness of a person. Mm -hmm. God creates everything out of his own isness, his I am. And so we are because God is and that attack on us and our dignity, that attack on, on and trying to make us feel worthless or believe that we're worthless is an attack of Satan. It's a spiritual attack. So we just have to go to that and say, I reject that in the name of Jesus. I know better. You know, and you just keep having to say it until your your insides actually believe it. But the truth of it is we are not worthless. We cannot be worthless because God created us out of who he is. And that makes us worth something all by itself. Even Satan is. He is a creation of God. And part of his suffering is that God loves him despite all of that he does. So if God can love Satan and he does or he would not exist, then he can certainly love me because I'm at least trying, you know. So I go back to that a lot. That is one of my really big go to it's not really necessarily one verse, but I, I also say to myself that nothing can separate me from the love of God. My existence proves that God loves me. So, yeah, you just keep having to tell yourself over and over and over until your soul actually believes it. And God will d- do that for us. That's one of the first things he does in prayer is that he gives us a real sense of how much he loves us. Thank goodness. So Unleashed is about being freed from toxic relationships, repeating circumstances, understanding our desires and where they come from and are they promises or not, um, the patterns. It's really a way to discern our patterns. That's what Unleashed is about. And then Fearless picks up from where that one left, left off. Once we've identified the pattern, what do we do with it? And so Fearless picks up there. Ignite is a Bible study primer. You know, once you... Once you have a daily quiet time in the scriptures, what the church calls Lectio Divina, what do you do then if you want to do deeper study? So that is uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and I wrote that together, and it is a primer on how to begin that deeper study. So it's a who, what, where, when, why, and how as you're studying the Bible. It's a map. It's really a, a map in getting deeper into the scriptures. And then I have another one coming out here shortly with Ascension Press that I can't talk about, but it's so exciting. I can't wait. The best way is through my website, BibleStudyEvangelista.com. The header there is there's like three in a row, three places that are very clearly marked 
um, so that people can sign up. And then there is a Facebook discussion community as well that has been unbelievable. I mean, I'm one of those people that has a difficulty with community some. Not that I don't need it or don't want it, but a lot of times it just ends up being gossipy to me and I don't do well with that. Um, but this has turned out to be so, so healing. So there's that too. And I'm on Facebook. It's, um, it's healing the father wound discussion community is the name of that page. And if you go to Sonia Corbett on Facebook, then you can easily find that. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Larson Sams. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.